At this time, KCICFM invites you to join us for our weekly live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church. Good evening and uh, welcome. Normally on a Wednesday night for our prayer meeting services, we gather, we have a message from the Word of God, um, a praise and prayer time, and then just a season of prayer. And uh, we look forward to the day where we can uh, do that again. I want to thank folk for the birthday wishes. Um, We have started a series in Psalm 119, and we are now on our third message in this psalm. And so if you'd like to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 119, we'll be in looking at verses 17 to 24 tonight. As we have been in uh, looking in the psalm, we've seen in the first uh, eight verses, we saw the heart of the obedient. In verses 9 through 16, we saw the heart of the pure. And tonight we're going to look at the heart of the stranger. So follow with me. I'll begin reading in Psalm 119, verse 17. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. I pray that you would use it in our hearts tonight as we just meditate on it, study it. Lord, may it encourage us in our walk with Christ and looking forward uh, to our going to be with you in your soon return. And so we ask your blessing now on your word, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we've been going through uh, Psalm 119, we've seen different things about the psalm. It's an alphabetical psalm. Each of these sections of eight verses uh, have represent a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And in the Hebrew, each of the verses in those sections of eight are begin with that letter. And uh, tonight we're on Gamel, which is the third letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And so each of these verses in the Hebrew begin with the Gamel. Um, as we look at the heart of the stranger tonight, really God's stranger on this earth, a, a believer, somebody who's trusted Christ as their Savior. And uh, as it says in John 17, they were in the world and they've been taken out of the world, but they're not of the world, but they've been sent into the world. And uh, we are, in a certain sense, strangers on this earth. If you've ever traveled to a foreign country and been there for any length of time, uh, you know what it's like to f- feel like a stranger and have the, the if you will, the heart of a stranger. Uh, you might be there for a long time and begin to fit in a little bit, but you know if you haven't been there very long, you you sense that you are a stranger very clearly. And uh, there's a certain sense in which we as believers in Christ are strangers here on this earth. So let's talk tonight about this psalm and look at the different parts in it that have to do with the heart of the stranger. We're going to see the stranger's heart in their prayer in verses 17 and 18. And then we're going to see the passion of the stranger, God's stranger. Uh, You see their heart in their passion in verses 19 and 20. 
And then finally, we're going to see the heart of a stranger in the problem that they face in verses 21 to 24. So uh, the heart of a stranger. And uh, you see their prayer in verse 17 and verses 17 and 18. And there are really two uh, requests here, this prayer. He says in verse 17, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. And so the first prayer here is a prayer for bounty and, uh, and how God deals with him. The word bountiful is used in the Hebrew uh, some 37 different times. And out of those 37 times, 10 of them are, it is translated the word wean. And uh, you remember when uh, Hannah prayed for Samuel and uh, God answered her prayer. And when the boy was born, she had promised God that she would dedicate that child to the Lord. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 22, the Bible says, But Hannah, when it came time to go up for the yearly sacrifice, Hannah went not up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. And that's our word right there. And then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And when you get down to verse 24, when she had weaned him, she took with her up with her um, with three bullocks, one ephah flour and a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And because of the three bullocks, there's a thought that each for, that was for each year that the child was uh, um, uh, with his mother. And now that he is weaned at the age of three, that he is going to be left at the tabernacle and, uh, and dedicated to God. And so what does this all mean? We come back to the verse, deal bountifully with thy servant. Well, here's what it's talking about. It's talking that's of that special care that a mother would give to a newborn infant until the day that that child is in, on a position where they can eat regular food. And uh, the idea, another idea behind the word is this, to, to, to deal fully with. And uh, we want God as a stranger here, God's stranger here on this earth, we want God to give us this kind of care, like a mother would give a, a child before it's weaned, um, to deal fully with. Um, there are three different um, occasions where I have been out of the country, and I've been to Mexico, been to Israel, been to the Philippines, and in every case, we've had somebody, whether whoever's with me, take care of us in just a, a complete full way. When we've gone to Mexico, um, that's the first time I went out of the country. Uh, our missionary down there, Ron Cochran, uh, has always done just an excellent job of taking care of us, even when we don't really know the language. And uh, he has just done so well. And uh, we couldn't ask for anything better to take care of our provision, our protection, and uh, preaching opportunities. Uh, when we uh, went to, my wife and I went to Israel, uh, Dr. Craig Hartman and his folk um, did such a good job of just taking care of us all the way so that we really didn't need anything. And then when we went to the Philippines, uh, Brother Mike Reddick, um, at the time our missionary, he just, every time we went, he was just so good at taking care of our group uh, when we went to the Philippines. That's the idea here. Deal bountifully with thy servant. Just take care of us, Lord. And uh, when you see the word servant here, it's the idea of as a slave. Uh, Lord, deal bountifully with your slave. We are yours. We are your ambassadors. We are children of light, not children of darkness. We're the sons of God. We're your, we're your saints. Uh, we have a, we're here to do a job for you. Lord, take care of us. And uh, we're in a foreign country. 
that's the idea, deal bountifully with thy servant. And then you see his desire at the end of verse 17, that I may live and keep thy word. The idea is that there's purpose here, that I might live and be keeping your word. I might be doing your business and doing it according to your specifications while I'm here uh, doing a duty for you. In the book of Philippians, there's a unique passage of Scripture in chapter 3. And Philippians chapter 3, it says in verse 17, this, Brethren, be followers together of me, Paul speaking, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example or an example. In other words, he's saying here, we're patterns for you. Uh, we are pursuing Christ-likeness and follow that same pattern. And then he says in verse 18 and 19, For many walk of whom I have told you often and tell you now even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. There is these professed believers who really their mind is here on this earth and it is not on the things ab above. And he is saying that they, their glory is their shame, their God is their belly, they're minding earthly things things and, and truly that their end is destruction. And then it goes on to give the contrast of this when it says, talks about a place, it says in verse 20, for our conversation, literally our citizenship, it's the word underneath conversation, the Greek word is the idea that it relates to politics. Um, our, our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the city at Philippi was a Roman colony, and those people had Roman citizenship, a great privilege um, of that distant city. Uh, Philippi is located on the upper part of the um, Grecian Peninsula on the eastern side, and uh, uh, Italy and Rome, and uh, being a citizen of Rome over in Greece and that's the idea here. They understood this, and they understood the privilege of citizenships. And it says in verse 20 that Christ is going to change our vile or worthless body, this humble, physically infirm body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, whereby he is able to, according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So all of that to say this, we have as citizens of the heavenly kingdom, we have a whole different purpose. Uh, we are not to be enemies of the cross of Christ. We're not to glory in what is shameful. Our God shouldn't be our appetites and, uh, and the things of this world. And so here's the prayer. Psalm 119, verse 17, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Lord, I want to be obedient to you. And then you see the second prayer in verse 18. It's a prayer for beholding. I love this verse, and maybe you have it marked in your Bible. It says this, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. This is a prayer, when we talk about a prayer of beholding, it's a prayer to see, to, uh, for seeing. Open my eyes, 
It's interesting in the book of Numbers, that, that f- the idea of opening uh, the eyes, that phrase, uh, it's found in Numbers chapter 22, verse 31. And it's a reference when Balaam was disobeying God and going to Balak and um, the, the Lord, the angel of the Lord was stopping him at different points. And finally, the donkey talked to him and the Lord opened his eyes. And it's that point where God enabled him to see something he didn't know was there. The donkey saw the angel, but he didn't. And don't you feel like that sometimes? You think, wow, how come I haven't seen this? A donkey could see this, but I haven't seen it. And there it is. And God just opens your eyes. Another case is where Hagar and Ishmael had been cast out by Abraham and, of course, Sarah. And she was ran out of water. She put the boy under a bush. She cried out to God. And God spoke to her, and God opened her eyes, and she saw the spring of water and was able to go and get that and keep the boy alive. But this idea of getting your eyes open, um, to, to have your, the idea literally is to, to, that they are uncovered so that you can see. The blindfold is taken off, and you can see. So there's this prayer for seeing. Uh, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. There's a prayer for the surpassing, the, the marvelous things, the wonderful things, the things that are difficult to understand. That God would unveil our eyes so that we could see what he is teaching and showing us in his word. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10, as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And he goes on to say in the passage in verse 12, Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we may know the things which are freely freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him. We want this kind of revealing to take place, that God would open our eyes and show us things in the Word of God, that wondrous things, marvelous things that we'd never seen before. Not, that, not to come up with a false doctrine, but to genuinely understand the Word of God. It's like Jesus when he answered the this, this Sadducees when they asked about, you know, whose wife will the woman be in the resurrection when she had married all seven brothers. And Jesus says... Um, you do err not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. And then he talked about the resurrection. He says, you know, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. And, and, and everybody that, that sees that thinks, wow, I never, I, never, I, never real, I never saw that in that passage. And yet the Lord Jesus just opens our eyes to what it means when it says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There, there is life with God. There is a resurrection absent from the body. Yes, present with the Lord. And uh, what a wonderful doctrine out of that Old Testament passage that the Lord would open our eyes and we would see. But there's one more thing here in verse 18. Verse 18. 
He says, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. This is a prayer not only for seeing and for the surpassing, it's a prayer of submission. He wants to know what God's law is. The Bible says in John 7, 17, if any man desire to do the will of God, he will know of the doctrine. And if you have a heart who wants to obey God and follow God, uh, this is a wonderful prayer for you. As you sit down with the Word of God, as you sit down to hear a sermon, um, as you are involved in a conversation about spiritual things with somebody, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I want to be obedient. I want to follow you. Lord, teach me. I can remember as a teenager when I was confronted with the idea of, of purity as a teenager. I, I was, uh, hadn't really ever thought about it. And then when I came to the Christian school here at Pear Park and we were challenged in our chapel times with different things, that, that struck me. And I thought, you know, I, don't, I want to find out what the Bible says about it. And I came with a genuinely open heart wanting to know what the Lord said about purity for a teenager. And God just showed me all kinds of passages of Scripture, and it was just a real blessing, and it, is, it changed my life. And so that we would have this life-changing prayer as we come to the Word of God. Let's go on. Let's go to verses 19 and 20 and talk about the passion of a stranger. Two things about him. You see his distinct, distinction, and you see his desire. He's a stranger, um, he is different from the people around him. He is an alien. There's different places in Scripture where this um, thought or idea of a stranger is mentioned. One of them is in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, where it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and Bithynia. He's talking about believers and that they are strangers here on this earth, that we are citizens of heaven uh, over being citizens on earth. And uh, this, this idea of alienation and um, the word stranger here in 1 Peter 1.1 1, 1 is a word peripedemos, which is the, uh, three words actually stuck together. And it has the idea of people, the demos, epi, which has over or cross, and then the idea of para, which besides something. So has the idea of going across over to a people and being beside them, but you're not really one of them. And here the strangers are scattered like salt out of a salt shaker. They are scattered throughout Asia Minor and uh, as uh, testimonies. And again, we are citizens of heaven and God intentionally scatters us and puts us throughout places in different areas and communities. And uh, he doesn't always stick a whole bunch of us in one salt shaker together. He, he scatters us about. That's the idea of being a stranger. You are distinct. Uh, you think about Israel and their laws and how, even with the diaspora, with them being scattered all over the world, as God said he would do if they disobeyed him. And yet as they went with the word of God, the Jewish culture has been evidenced all over the world and still is. And there is something about them that points people to God, even in their secular state. Um, and then there is us today as Christians God does the same thing with us. He scattered us around so that we can be um, 
be salt and uh, out of the salt shaker. So you see this alienation of a stranger. You see also the stranger is different or distinct because of his accountability, something different than, than what the world thinks of. In the book of First Chronicles, chapter 29 and verse 15, David in his psalm is he is talking here um, about how the Lord has been so good in, in blessing. He says in this in first in first Chronicles 29, 15, we for we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. The same idea is communicated in Psalm 39 verses 12 and 13, but here the idea is that we are strangers before God. There is a, an accountability. We are not just here um, without being representatives. No, we are representatives uh, of God, and we are accountable to Him. That's part of what uh, being a stranger for the Lord is. We're not here to, to be like everybody that's around us. We are God's representatives here. And we need to speak well of him in all that we do and say. Then we see something else that goes along with being a stranger. And that is in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 10 and 11. It says there, dearly beloved, I'm in verse 10. Uh, dearly beloved, I'm sorry, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And if you look back now in verse 10, uh, we are the people of God. We weren't a people, but now we're the people of God. We had not obtained mercy, now we have obtained mercy. And based on this, and knowing that we are strangers and pilgrims, we are aliens here on this earth, we are giving the, the command to abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. The idea of warring here is, is a stratomai, the idea of a strategy against our very soul. These lusts are the enemy, and they are working against us, against our very souls. That's why um, we are cautioned against the love of the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Uh, these are all of which speak of the world. Uh, that's why it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, don't be conformed, be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And of course, that comes back to the Word of God. So there's an adversity in this world. And uh, we are always uh, seeking to defend ourselves and to work against uh, the enemy of lust that wars against the very soul. And there's the, the last thing is in Hebrews chapter 11, when we talk about the distinction of a stranger it says in Hebrews chapter 11 this, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Their vision was a vision of faith. And they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed. They acknowledged, that's the point. They acknowledged that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. God's people should acknowledge they are strangers. They are aliens here. This is not their home Verse 14, for they, they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Amen. Uh, we have a, our, our, we live by faith. 
this is not our home. Our focus is on our heavenly home. That's what we're looking forward to. And we have a heavenly father that's not ashamed to be called our God because he has prepared a place for us. It is not pie in the sky. It is the real thing. And oh, to be home. I know one particular time where we went to the Philippines, we were there for uh, several weeks, a couple weeks. And uh, when we finally came back, we had just everywhere we had traveled, it was not an easy trip. And uh, uh, our diet seems to just, when we had a diet, seemed to just consist of rice and sometimes rice with little hot dogs, sometimes rice with fish, sometimes just rice. And um, when we finally got home. We flew into the airport at Las Vegas and drove back to Grand Junction. But when we hit Las Vegas, man, we were talking to each other about just going and buying a Whopper and wrapping it in a, in a Domino's pizza. Um, we were just so tired of rice. We just wanted something from home. And uh, the teenage boys and girls were, I mean, we were hungry for some just good American food. And uh, something that didn't have rice in it. And uh, so, you know, to just long for home and appreciate the, the things of heaven. Uh, you know, you go to a foreign country, oftentimes you have to, you can't drink water out of the faucet. You have to drink bottled water. And of course, we're doing that more here. I don't know if we're going forward or backwards, but, um, you know, all of these different things, to have the longing for home and then you go back to our psalm, Psalm 119. You look in verse 20, 19, the end of verse 19. He says, I'm a stranger in the earth. And then, now you see his desire. Hide not thy commandments from me. He's looking. Lord, don't hide it from me. Uh, we don't want to have, you know, some kind of a, a hide and seek game here. Lord, I, I want to see your word. Open my eyes. I want to, I want to see. You see his longing. In verse 20, my soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. The breaking here is, is, is a very, it's only found twice in Scripture. It's here and then it's in Lamentations 3.16. In Lamentations 3.16, it talks about the people of Israel are talking about how the, of Judah are talking about how their teeth were broken out with the gravel. And God had broken out their teeth with gravel. And, uh, the, and here, the idea of the breaking is that kind of breaking. It's, a, it's, a, it's just a it's severe breaking, a harsh breaking. Um, my soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all time. The idea of judgments. I had a lawyer uh, for one of our teachers for a special session when I was taking a master's course. And, and uh, uh, Dr. Hand was talking about... Um, the, the word for judgments, mishpat, is a, a legal term, has the idea of a court sentence. Uh, we want to hear God's decisions in his word. My soul longs for these at all times, just all the time. Uh, no relief. I, I always want the word of God. And the idea is a hunger. You just you can't get enough of the word of God. Um, I had a little grandbaby born just recently, Margot, and I asked my daughter today just how, how she's doing. And of course, you know, what do, what do grandpas know? But um, I asked, you know, how much sleep is mom getting? Well, not so much, but she's adjusting. Why? Well, one of the reasons is little Margot's hungry and uh, hasn't learned to wait all through the night. And uh, they're just, that is the, that's a new infant. 
Um, that's the kind of idea. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. And as strangers, we ought to have a hunger for God's judgments at all time. Um, you know, again, when you're in a foreign country, they do things different. We want the way God does things. And um, so that brings us now to our third point, and this is it. The problem of God's stranger, picking up in verses 21 to 24. And as strangers often, when they're in a different country, different place, often they're not accepted. Uh, as Christians, when we go visit other Christians in other countries, we always have had a warm reception. But sometimes from the public, maybe not so. It just depends. And uh, because of strangers. And now, to go even deeper on this, when you have a supreme king like God, and you have an underlord like Satan who is in rebellion, and we go into Satan's territory here on this earth, you can expect that there is going to be a hostility towards, towards God's people here. There's a cemetery in Manila. It's called the Manila Cemetery. And there's all these mausoleums built in the cemetery. It's a humongous thing. And it goes for miles. And it has become a slum for orphans. And uh, there are just thousands and thousands of orphans living in the mausoleums in the cemetery. And uh, my understanding is um, there are some mission, there's at least one mission work that I know of that's in the front part of that, that cemetery trying to reach those kids for Christ. But if you, the farther back you go, the more dangerous it becomes. And to the point that not even the police won't assure anybody's safety that goes back to the back part of the to the thing. It's like it's like gangs back there. And so when you have here this this rebellion, it becomes a dangerous place the closer you get to the devil's territory. And you have some problems of conflict. Verse 21. He says this, Thou hast rebuked the proud and, and that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. One of the problems is the problem of conflict. God, in his position, rebukes the wicked. They are not happy with him. They weren't happy with Jesus Christ because he condemned them of their sin, and they, they were guilty. Um, this world is not excited or happy about the condemnation that God brings and uh, against their sin. So that's one strike against God and against God's strangers. Number two, the people. It says in the passage of Scripture, he says, remove from me. Um, it talks about these people erring, and then he says, remove from me reproach and contempt. Um, oh, I'm sorry, back in verse 21. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. These people, they're proud. The idea is presumptuous. They, they step across the line. It's this kind of pride that God will judge in his judgment of the world during the tribulation time in Isaiah 13, verse 11. Um, it's uh, these people, uh, the proud against God's people. You see how they treat God's people. Even here in Psalm 119, you see it in verse 51. The proud have me greatly in derision. You see it in verse 69, the proud have forged a lie against me. You see it in verse 78, where it says, uh, the proud be ashamed for they've dealt, very, dealt perversely with me without a cause. You see it in verse 85, where it says, the proud have dig pits for me. In verse 122, 
where it says, be surety for thy servant and let not the proud oppress me. And so the, the proud, the wicked of this world, um, it, it causes a rough time for a stranger. Matter of fact, the Lord talked about this, um, that, that marvel not if the world hates you. It says that they err from thy commandments. The idea is that they just can't stay on the line. Maybe you've driven past and you've seen a highway patrolman with somebody out there doing the test to see if they're drunk and they might be trying to walk a straight line or reach out and touch their nose or whatever the, whatever the, the little things they have for them to do. And I've, I've driven by and, and slowly and watched some of those people trying to walk the line. Uh, th- these people of this world, the proud, they can't, they, the, the Bible says we all are like sheep. We, we go astray. In particular, the people of the world that have no care for the things of God. They err. They're cursed. And then there's this problem of contempt. Verse now, again now, verse 22, remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. The scorn, um, the contempt, they despise God's people. And the reason here, he says in the passage of Scripture, he says, Lord, um, remove these things from me, for I've kept your testimonies. And I've tried to obey your word, try to do what's right, and I get cursed, and I get uh, contempt put on me, and I'm despised. Um, And so, Lord, remove those things. Roll them off of me, if you will, is the idea here. I noticed uh, just recently somebody, uh, one of the factory, uh, one of the... um, producers of, of one of the products was uh, speaking and was a Christian, gave an outward bold testimony for Christ. And even while they were doing so, they were getting, there was getting um, undercutting and reproach and uh, different things put on them, uh, even as they spoke out for Christ. Um, what a, that's, that's this world. That's the, what a stranger can expect, the problem of contempt. And then finally, the problem of contrast. It says in verses 23 and 24, princes also did sit sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. There's, you know, the, ser- the princes are sitting, they're, they're speaking about, they're, like David says in Psalm 69, 12, and 13, he was a song of drunkards. And, uh, but what a contrast. But thy servant, Lord, did meditate in thy statutes. And the idea of meditating here is the idea of the talk. That he, he's talking to himself about the Word of God, God's boundaries, God's statutes, His principles. So while the princes are, are speaking against him, he is meditating and talking to himself about the Word of God. And he says in verse 24, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And the word counselor is an interesting word. It's, uh, it's the idea of man plus the idea of advice and counsel. Uh, so the princess, as they're talking together and talking against this God's people, um, God's people are coming to God and getting advice and counsel and encouragement from him and his word. And so what a difference. So you see here in this little psalm, the heart of the, of the stranger, God's stranger here on this earth. You see his prayer. Uh, for bounty and beholding. You see his passion, his longing for the word of God. You see some of the problems that he faces, the reproach and, uh, of, the, of the wicked and how he deals with that, with the meditating in the word of God. So as we see this, I hope that'll be an encouragement to us to stand for the Lord and stick up for him. 
And uh, Lord, thank you for your word tonight. And I pray that you would just use it in our heart to help us to be strong for you. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, before I close, I just want to encourage you to listen on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock and 6.30 on Sunday evening. Of course, these Wednesday times at 7 o'clock. Somebody asked the question, when do you, when do you think we'll meet again um, as a church? I, I don't know. One thing I do know is we want to make sure we have permission to do that first. Uh, we wouldn't want to do anything that would be unlawful. But also, when we do, we want to become with precautions. So we're just going to wait and see, and we'll let folk know when, uh, is when we believe it's appropriate for us to meet again. And even with that, some of our elderly and folk with young children may want to take precaution and, uh, before, they, before they come to meet with us. So um, there's, there's an answer that's not an answer. And tonight, I'd like to just encourage you to do this. I'd like to encourage you, if you're alone, to just take some time and use this next little bit of the time to the top of the hour for prayer. And if you're with your family, I'd like to encourage you to just have a, a little family prayer meeting again. Some things you could pray about are, you know, pray for those in authority. They have a big responsibility on them that it's affecting all of us. And we want to live a quiet and peaceable life. And we want to, we want people to be, whose lives to be spared even from all of this. They say the next couple weeks it can be really um, bad. I, we don't know what that all means, but um, we just pray that God would have mercy and that he would heal. We want to pray not only for physical healing, we, we want to pray for the spiritual healing of our country. So many people have nothing to do with God, and uh, this might be a good time for them to think about Him and pick up a Bible, pick up a gospel track, uh, listen to a program, watch something on, uh, from one of these churches that's being produced and uh, that might give the good gospel message that somebody could be saved. We want to pray, too, for... Uh, the salvation of souls, obviously. And then uh, just a couple other things. You know, Epaphras in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12 prayed that the Colossians would stand perfect and complete in the will of God. That we would pray for one another for the will of God. And um, and then I, I had a prayer request. There's some people who need work. I just have heard several things recently, people who have not been getting hours, having time to be able to work, and that's becoming a real hardship on folk. So we might pray for uh, these people that are out of work, that need employment, um, the Lord to take care for them. Uh, and then I think of the passage in 1 Thessalonians 3 in verses 10 and through 12, and I'll close with this as just an idea to pray. It says in that passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 3, verses 10 and through 12. He says, Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might be perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you and may the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you, so that we might be able to see each other's face again and be able to be an encouragement to one another. Well, friend, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Have a good evening. Thanks for joining us for our weekly live broadcast from Pear Park Baptist Church. We pray the service was a blessing to all our listeners. Our earnest prayer is that you personally have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Romans 6 and verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And Romans 10.13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd like to trust Christ, you must first believe that you're a sinner, deserving of God's judgment, and that Christ died to pay God's penalty for your sin, and that he rose again from the dead. Then you may, right now, pray, and according to Romans 10.13, call upon God and ask for salvation through Jesus Christ. If you've made a decision to trust Christ, let us know. The number of the offices at Fair Park Baptist Church is 434-4113. Someone's generally available to take calls during regular weekday business hours. In addition, the best means to spiritual help and growth is through faithful attendance at a Bible-believing church. We would encourage you to be at the very next service of Fair Park Baptist Church. Our weekly prayer meeting and Bible study is at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Sunday schools at 10 o'clock a.m. Sunday mornings with the worship service at 11 and at 6.30 p.m. the evening service. Pear Park Baptist Church is a fundamental Bible-preaching and Bible-believing church located here in Grand Junction at 3102 E Road. And once again, we appreciate your joining us for this live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church.